when we got there, we were hit relatively soon with some really cold weather. Uh, I, I had seen pictures of the icicles. I, first time, I'm 73 years old. First time I've ever seen icicles like this before in my, in my life. You can see the one. Uh, we got these funny words they use, ice, dams, that don't, they build up ice on the roof and it backs up and it messes things up. And my neighbor had one that was like six feet long and I wanted to go over and ask him, can I break that off and just hold it? No one back in California has ever seen that. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, evidently that's not Minnesota etiquette. You don't do that. Because you can actually damage the roof if you break these things off. And someone said, oh, don't do that. They'll, and I'm, I've learned how to, the snow blowing etiquette and where you put the snow once you, there's an etiquette to that stuff. And so the next picture is, uh, one of my icicles that I'm, uh, I'm growing, you can see that <laughs> I ran outside the one, and I, it was up about that high, and then you can see that it's down to about this, it grew about 18 inches one night. And if it's still there when I get back, I'm gonna see if I can get it down to the ground. I'm gonna spray it with water, <laughs> and I'm gonna nurture this thing and take care of it, and, and so, and uh, Jan has actually learned a very favorite uh, Shoveling snow. That's another thing. Uh, shoveling sidewalks. That, those are new words to us here. We don't shovel sidewalks. You know, it, there you do. You have to. It, once it snows, and some of you, how many of you lived in this type of weather before? A whole bunch of you, yeah. Uh, if you don't shovel your sidewalk, they'll actually come by and fine you. Uh, and so Jen actually says that she likes it. So. Who am I to not let her do that? <laughs> you know, and so is there another picture or is that it? There's a word, uh, oh, okay, there we go, there we go. Hey, I've got it here, Andy. This is great. Another word that we learned was polar vortex. Polar vortex, it sounds like a sci-fi movie. You know, the attack of the polar vortex. <laughs> but this is when Arctic stuff blows down through, and it was like 25, 30 degrees below zero. It shuts down everything. Everything shuts down. You don't, I mean, you just stay in. But it was the, the craziest um, weather that we've ever been experienced. Okay. Uh, Jan said that we've had three or four days above freezing in the three months we've been there. Uh, which is interesting, because when it gets to be 32, it's like, hoop time, you know, let's go out and shoot some hoops, because the, the snow starts melting and it clears off the, 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 the pavement, and so this is really quite, quite uh, amazing. So, but it's been below zero be more times than it hasn't. So, we're, what's that? Yeah, it's zero today? Hey, yeah, it's pretty good. They're happy, I think, with zero. I want to share with you today and next Sunday some lessons that Jan and I have learned over the last three months of being back in Minnesota uh, that God has taught us. And they're not really new lessons. You will recognize them right away. They, they're actually ancient. But they remain lessons that God continues to reinforce in his people that we have to learn. We need to learn these lessons 
and these lessons date back to antiquity, they're actually lessons that were beginning to be taught in the Garden of Eden. The Garden was the first time that people, the two that existed at that time, thought that they could live independent from God. Basically, that was the sin that they committed. The disobedience was, do I really, really need God fully and completely? Or is there this, this idea of independence that, that I can live with? Do I really need God? So they listened to the voice of, of temptation that asked them that question. And I, I want to tell you, that same question is asked to us all the time. The voice comes, do you really, really need God? Aren't you quite accomplished? <laughs> Aren't you quite gifted? Aren't you quite developed? Aren't you capable of really existing independent of God? Maybe a, a little bit? You really can manage quite well, can't you? And you and I, along with all of mankind, have been fighting against this spirit of independence ever since that time in the garden. It's been passed on to us. We don't really need God. We'd be pretty good without him. Those whispers come all the time. Do we really need him? Do we really need him to help us in all of our journeys and all of our struggles? So what God did is he inspired a book to be written, the Bible, and he was going to give his message to us, and a great deal of the message that is woven through all of Scripture from the first to the very last pages of the Bible is that we were created to be fully dependent and that we're not strong. We're actually weak. Paul talks about that. That we're not strong, we're actually weak, and we're not independent, we're really actually very dependent upon God. And the more that we, the more that we understand that, the more that we recognize and admit that we are fully dependent upon God, then the surrender process becomes less traumatic for us. The story of Noah and the ark and the flood reveals man's need and dependency on God. God placed before him impossible circumstances, and he built this great ark over a whole long period of time. But he was totally dependent upon God because it says in Genesis 6, 16, that God shut the door of the ark. You see, that thing would have failed miserably apart from dependence on God fully and completely and totally, that God shut that door and sealed that door. Abraham, 100, Sarah, 90 years old, were barren, and they were told that they were going to have a child way past the age of child-rearing. Impossible circumstances, fully dependent on God. Not partially, fully dependent upon God. A young man, Joseph, was thrown into a pit and then sold to slavers that would ultimately deliver him into Egypt. And then he would be thrown into jail and impossible circumstances and situations totally, fully dependent upon God. Moses standing before the Red Sea with a million Egyptians 
I mean, a million Israelites and all the Egyptian armies coming at him. Totally dependent, impossible circumstances and situations. Israelite nation wandering 40 years in the wilderness. No food, no water. Impossible circumstances created by God, dependent upon God for the answer. Fully, completely dependent on him. Mary, a virgin, giving birth to a son. Impossible circumstances, fully dependent upon God, not partially. All of Scripture has this common thread that runs through it. When we come to God, when we repent of our sins, when we embrace Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, everything changes. Everything changes. We now give up a life of perceived independence, and we step into a life of total, complete dependence in our weakness on God. Complete, total dependence on God. And on and on the stories go throughout the scripture. God placing his kids in impossible circumstances to show them that they are absolutely dependent upon him. Placing in front of us situations that we can't solve. Problems bigger than us that we can't manage. And then he says, now, depend on me. Not partial, but total, absolute dependence. Are you facing any impossible circumstances right now that are bigger than you? Situations and circumstances that you don't have answers to. I hope so. I hope so. Because those are the circumstances and those are the situations that God oftentimes creates in order to show us that we are not strong apart from him. We are weak and that we are dependent upon him, totally. Let me ask you a question. Where in your life are your actions and your behavior revealing that your life or you are living independent of God? What are you doing right now that if someone were to look at you, they would it would appear as though you are living independent of God? Decision-making. Are you living independent of God in your decisions? Are you living independent of God in the way that you, you spend money? Are you living independent of God in the way that you function around people? You see, God's desire is that we learn and discover that we are fully, totally, completely dependent upon him. Where's that ancient struggle of independence attacking you? Because it comes against us all the time. All the time. We are tempted with that, with that slight voice that crosses almost undetectable. Are you really dependent on God? Are you really dependent upon God? Where is that happening in your life? Where in life do you think you've got what it takes? The Gospel of Mark is an interesting chapter in chapter 6. I want to read this to you because it's the first time that Jesus separates himself from his disciples. Up till this time, they have always walked alongside of him and they've observed him doing all the stuff, doing all the miracles. They've observed him. They've watched him. And Jesus said, it's time for you to grow up now. It's time to, for you to move from a 
from an observer to a participant. It's time for you to start doing this stuff. And it starts like this. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, I've always focused in my messages on that last little bit, that last sentence there, two sentences. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil, and he healed them. I always have preached on that and gone, yeah, authority. They've been given authority. We have authority, and it's this great you know, sermon on, on, our, on the power that God has given to us. But God stopped me when we were in Minnesota at this first part. And he says, take nothing for your journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And I thought it was really interesting that what odd instructions. I'm going to give you authority, but you can't take a bag, which that bag carried the stuff that they needed. You can't take a backpack. You can't take your bedroll. You can't take food. You can't take any money with you. you. You can't take an extra tunic in case it gets cold at night. You can't take any of those things. But what you do have is what well, I give you, and that's authority over demons and sickness. And I thought that that was really interesting. The disciples had always watched at this time, and he takes them further in their journey of dependency by taking away things that they place confidence in. They were you know, walkers, they walked. <laughs> so they carried a bedroll, no bedroll. If it gets hungry, we're going to go by and we're going to stop at the little store here and we're going to buy some fish and bread. No money. Can't buy anything. You can wear sandals, but you can't take an extra pair of sandals, it says in one of the Gospels. Matter of fact, you can't take the bag, and that bag was really important because if your sandal broke, you would carry in, in that bag, you would carry... Uh, leather so you could fix it because if you had a broken sandal 15 miles from the next town it hurt you'd, you'd have to fix it you can't take any flint to light a fire at night all you can take is what I give you and I give you authority but what you have to learn is I, that Jesus is always moving us forward in our life toward his likeness toward maturity, which is dependency on him. Surrender to him. Trust in him. And so for the first time, he separates himself physically from the disciples and from each other. They were secure with one another. These 12 hung with each other. They talked and they, but now he's saying, I'm going to take two of you and I'm going to send you over here 15 miles. I'm going to take two of you and send you over here 10 miles. I'm going to they were separated from each other. They were separated from Jesus. They couldn't take what was secure, made them secure to, to travel comfortably. And he says, now go. And you can trust in me. 
See, they had to learn that when Jesus wasn't in their midst physically, they could still trust in him, and Jesus was taking them further. Can't have any money, food, bags, any necessities that you will need. You must trust me to supply them when you need them. The moment you need them, I will provide them. The moment, not 10 minutes before you need them. The moment you need them, I will provide them for you. I will give them for you, to you. So Jesus is saying it's time to learn. It's time to trust. It's time to become dependent upon me when I'm not in your midst. And the lesson that he wanted to teach them is what you think you need, you don't. What you think you need, you don't depend on God. That's the lesson. And that's a word for someone in here. Because when I wrote it down, I got this, woo, word. (laughs) And I wrote it down here, word. (laughs) Someone in this room needs to hear that, probably more than one, that what you think you need, you don't. You can trust God to give it to you. What you think you need, you don't. You can trust God and he will be dependable. He is dependable. So what you think you need, you don't. Depend on God. He's dependable. And so what he does is is to show how dependable he is, he takes things away. He removes things from us that we may place dependency on. I find my security in this. I find my security in this. He reminded me yesterday. I've got this great little car that was loaned to us while we're here for the two weeks, and I'm driving it around, and and it starts raining, and I go, wipers, boop, wipers didn't work. (laughs) Do you know how dependent you are on wipers when that that thing rains? And you're going, no, I don't, because you have them. They kind of went partway and then down, and partway and then down, and they started raining hard. Those were taken away. I'm dependent upon those things. What do I do? Has God taken things out of your life that you placed confidence in in the past? See, what he was doing with the disciples there, he's saying is, I'm taking you out of control. I'm taking you out of control. You no longer have control over the weather or the tunic, which gives you control over the weather. You no longer have uh, the ability to buy food because you have no money. I will provide when you need it, the minute that you need it. Has God taken things out of your life that you placed confidence in in the past? He's doing that because he loves you so much. And he wants you to say, you can depend on me. You can have confidence in me. It sounds like if he's doing these things, that you are on a journey of trust and dependency. Do you find yourself liking that journey? (laughs) No. We like comfort. We like to have the ducks all lined up in a row. And then God takes a duck out here and takes a duck out here and takes a duck out here. And there's just like, there's no, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Life is hard. Life is more difficult. Because God is saying, you can trust me. You can depend on me. You see. If he's taken things out of your life, that's probably really, really good. Because he wants you to learn how dependable he is. How do you feel when God takes things out of your life? How do you think the disciples felt? Now, we don't have any indication that they responded, but I know they did. They're humans. When they gathered together after Jesus says, you can't do, you can't have this, you can't have this, you can't take this, you can't do this, you know that the disciples got together and said, did you hear what he said? 
not, don't take an extra tunic. Wait, we're going to be outside camping out for a whole lot of, lot of time. No. Just don't take an extra tunic. What, what, no money? I can't take any. I always have money to buy food. No. Can't take anything. So God strips us of things that we think we need, but we don't. And so we must all learn that our sufficiency is found in a dependable God. I say, God, I depend on you. I'll depend on you when this is gone in my life that I've always had in my life. I'll depend on you. And so Jan and I took off to Minnesota because my son, who's been mentally ill for a, a long period of time, was not doing well at all. His wife had called us and said he, she's very concerned that he might do something to harm himself. He had decreased in weight. He, mentally, he was uh, very unsound. And so we packed up and said, Lord, here we go. We packed up, locked up our condo, and off we went. And so we begin to, on our way there, the questions begin to uh, come to us. Lord, we don't, we don't know anything about mental illness. It's complex. It's, it's, I, we don't know anything about mental illness. And we felt the Lord impress on us, don't worry, I do. You can depend on me. Oh. Okay, you do, I don't. I can depend on you. Lord, Lord, all of our, all of our support group is here. Our church is here. Our family is here. Our friends are here except for those in Minnesota. Lord, our prayer support, everything is here. Lord, you don't need what you think you need, you don't. I'll, I'll teach you how to depend on me. So many of you were praying for us, and, and I think it was probably the first time in my life that I can literally say to those people that say, we experienced your prayer. I think it's the first time. I understood we were being prayed for. Something was happening. But Lord, where will, where will we live? We, we don't have a place really lined up right now where we'll live. Don't worry, you can depend on me. Okay, so he took these things out of our life. What about money, Lord? Tom, I got it covered. <laughs> the day before we left, you handed me a check for $10,000 an offering that you took for us. <laughs> Don't worry, Tom, I got it covered. I got it all covered. You can depend on me. And we're so thankful for you. But Lord, we trust you and we love you and, and all that stuff, but In-N-Out Burger is here. They, they got something back there called squash burger. And it's like, <laughs> you see, this is what it means in his teachings 2,000 years ago when he's teaching his disciples to, to, to trust in him because he's dependable. The ancient followers before that and to you and me today, God says, you can depend on me. You can depend on me. We sang about it today. I'll never let you down. Never. 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 It's the first time God ever lets one of his kids down will be the day 
that I give up on Christianity because it doesn't work. He has never let us down. There's not one time that he has ever let us down. One time that he has not fulfilled his fullness of promises to us. One time, not one time in the history of all of mankind that have surrendered their life to Christ has he ever, ever, ever let us down. Not once. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't seem like he lets us down. But he never has. It just seems that way because we're looking at life differently than he looks at life. But he has never let us down. He says, I am dependable 100% of the time. And so we hold on to a dependable God. And that's what we had to do. Armed only with love and the word of God and your prayers, we went back to Minnesota. And it was frightening. It was frightening. Mental illness is such a debilitating disease. Jason was broken mentally. And what's interesting, he's he's an intellectual genius, but he's mentally broken. And we got back there, and oh, God, we have nothing but you to make any difference whatsoever in this household. And the home was, was... struggling because the mentally ill father is it's it's just a hard place for the family and so we began going over to his house we're staying in a hotel we began going over to his house every day and we just sat with him i plopped down two feet from him for six eight ten hours a day just started praying talking to him and sometimes he was conversational sometimes he was lucid Other times he was completely broken and gone. Completely. And we continued to hear that simple voice of God, Tom and Jan, you can depend on me. We'd hear the Lord say, put your trust in me. Okay, Lord. And day after day and week after week, we returned to the hotel at night just exhausted. It's an exhausting ministry knowing that we were in the perfect will of God. And sometimes Jan and I, we, we just ran out of words to say to God. How often can you just say, help, 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 help. Oh, God, you know what I'm, I'm saying. Help. I'm coming again, Lord, to you. Help. Help. Because we don't have anything. We don't, we don't have any tools to work with except you, Lord, and that seems to be all we need. And sometimes we just hold on to each other and just cry. Just cry. And somehow that, that prayer just came out in just these deep, deep times of just wailing. We were frightened for his health. We were frightened for his life, his family. And we kept hearing God say, I'm dependable. I'm dependable. 
And so over a period of time, we started to see small changes in Jason and the family. And, and, it was, and we would go back to the hotel that night, which we lived in for the first month, and <clears throat> we'd look at each other and we said, it was a good day, wasn't it? Wasn't it good? We'd look to each other for affirmation. It was a good day today, wasn't it? And Jan would say, yeah, it was a good day today. I did better. And we started to see these little changes and we began to see hope. I started to have hope. And boy, I tell you, the value of hope is, is unbelievable because hope is what sustains us. Hope is what pushes us forward. There's hope. And we saw changes in Jason, and he was starting to have more good hours than bad hours. And we could see that God was just touching his mind and his body, and he was starting to eat again. And he was going from this very thin frame, and he was putting weight on him. And we go home, it was a good day today. I think he took in more calories than he burned. He didn't lose weight today. It was a good day today. And we just kept praying and talking about Jesus, and we kept singing over him. And each morning at Psalm 52 was what we lived in right before we went to the house. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Never. Got cares today? <laughs> Sure you do, you're human. Jesus never says you're not going to have cares. He says, cast your cares. <laughs> Here's what you do with your cares. Here's what you do with your cares. You cast them. You don't keep them on. You're not a pack animal. You, you cast them off. You throw them off on him because he cares. He cares for you. Tom and Jan, you can depend on me. I'm trustworthy. I care. You can depend on me. And so Jason started getting better, and pretty soon... He, he was actually having entire days that he didn't disassociate. He didn't, he didn't pull away. He didn't retreat into these, into these different places. Boy, it was a good day today. And he was having more of those good days. And then he said, Dad, I, I think I'd like to try to go back to work because he, he's a design engineer. I'd like to try to go back to work. And I, I said, how, well, how about starting off with like a two or three hours? He goes, yeah. And he went back to work, and he came back, and he said, it was a good day. It was a good day. And so we started to rejoice, and, and, and he was on these huge doses of antipsychotic medications, which are so toxic to the brain. They're just so difficult. And he told us about three weeks into this whole thing that he had stopped taking them, which was... The doctor said, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. He stopped taking them, and he started feeling better. Now, for some people, they're wonderful, they work good, but for others, they don't. And so God started healing him. We weren't crying anymore. <laughs> we looked at each other and said, I haven't cried in a week. <laughs> yeah, we haven't cried in a week. And this was wonderful, and good things were happening. And, God, and Jason was getting better, and, and he was talking about Jesus. Because he and his wife are strong Christians. And he was teaching us that 
Humankind was created for full dependency on God. And Tom, you think you needed so much tools, but you really didn't. All you need was me. And that's where you participated in that. So many of you were praying. Zechariah prophesied over Zerubbabel when, in Israel when they were going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And Zerubbabel was overwhelmed with the full scope of the task of rebuilding this temple. And Zechariah prophesies, and God says through Zechariah, Zechariah, listen, I'm going to teach you an ancient, ancient lesson that you have to learn as well as all the people centuries ahead of time today need to learn. He says, listen, it's not by your might, it's not by your power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. You see? It's by my spirit, says the Lord, and nothing has changed. Everything is still the same in our lives. He places impossible tasks in front of us and says, what you think you need, you don't. I am dependable. I am dependable. Not by any human means or any human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And Jason began to get better and better and better. Pretty soon he started to work a week, a full week. And he was doing wonderful. And then he worked another week, and he did wonderful. A third week, and they were asking him at work, Jason, what's going on? He was on a two-week cycle. He had two two weeks of decent week, decent health, and then a month of, of gone. And now he's worked for two weeks and three weeks and four weeks. And this last week, he went on a week business trip to his, his big clients. His clients are Ford, Toyota, Jeep, and a steel manufacturing company. And he invents things that create a more efficient assembly line, the robotic. Everything is robots now. He told me something I didn't know. Did you know that Ford produces a F-150 truck every 57 seconds, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year? I didn't know that. He told me that because he was with Ford. <laughs> and he started getting better. And, and now if you were to talk to him, if you were to sit in here and walk, you'd go up to him and you'd say, you're a good-looking family. The family's starting to come around. We have them over for our house for dinner every Sunday, along with over at their house about three or four times a week. They come over to our house after church, and now the, the, the kids are coming. His four kids, there's three of those that are coming, and they're bringing their friends. And so I thought, well, I'm going to volunteer at the high school. So I volunteer at the high school in the ceramics department two days a week, and then I pick up two of my grandkids that go to high school, and I take them out to burgers. And so they look forward to Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Grandpa's going to take us out to burgers. And I just say, what's going on in your life? And we're having great conversations and they're getting healed up. You can depend on me. And I want to close with this. Shortly after Jesus sent out the teams of disciples, the worship team can come forward. They all come back to Jesus and they they're really excited about 
about what happened while they were out in the field. They, they were just talking about all the good things that were going on. And uh, I want to read this to you. So they're coming back now. You can maybe fast go up to that. There we go. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him. And they reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot ahead of the into the towns and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away. Now Jesus is saying, okay, <laughs> testing time. You just went out. I just sent you out. You did all these miracles, and you did all these great things. And the disciples are saying, send away the people because it's, it's nighttime and it's, it's getting late and they're hungry. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying there's a time that you stop just observing. There's a time that you stop just going to church and, and observing. There's a time that you start to participate. And Jesus is saying, they don't have to go away. I've given you authority. You feed them. And we know the story. Wow, we don't have any food. It was just what they experienced. They didn't have any food. And God provided. We don't have any. Jesus says, okay, there's no food. You just went through it. I provided you all the way along. This is going to be great. I didn't know how to do it. Nothing has changed. What you think you need, you don't. You can depend on God. What you think you need, you don't. You can depend on God. Let's stand together. The tasks that God will provide himself and prove himself dependable are the tasks he asks you to do that are impossible. The tasks that God will prove himself dependable are the tasks that are impossible for you. Are you facing any of that stuff? Are you facing times in which God has taken things out of your life that you once had that you were dependent upon? 